Welcome to the Your Health, Your Way podcast, the health podcast for renegades. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and the creator of the website, therenegadenp.com. I have over 10 years of clinical experience helping patients heal their bodies and feel their best. I'm here to share actionable information about integrative health, nutrition, and fitness that can get you started on your journey to optimal wellness. I'm also here to answer your questions and talk with health and wellness experts. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Vitamin D has been a hot topic for many years, with an increase in popularity starting in 2020 when people began discussing how vitamin D levels impacted the outcomes in those who got COVID-19. Most people likely associate vitamin D with having strong bones, but it does so much more than that. Today on the podcast, I'm talking about all things vitamin D. You'll learn what it is, it's not actually a vitamin, why it's important and how much you need, and what the research says about vitamin D and COVID-19. Today's episode is brought to you by my ebook, Three Steps to More Energy. If you feel tired a lot or like you should have more energy and you want to know why and what to do about it, then this book is for you. I've personally struggled with fatigue for most of my life and had severe fatigue for several years. Seven years, a master's degree, and a lot of clinical experience later, I've got more energy than I've had in a long time, and I've helped dozens of others find more energy too. I created this book because I don't want you to struggle as long as I did. In it, I covered the three steps that I would start with if I had to go back to being so exhausted all the time. These three steps give you the most bang for your buck when it comes to fixing your fatigue. If you've ever Googled how to have more energy, you've probably scrolled through a few pages of the over 2 billion results and not come away with a good way to get started. More information is not always a good thing. In Three Steps to More Energy, I'll tell you exactly how to get started so you can get back on your way to living your life. To check it out, click the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash rnp3steps. That's bit.ly slash rnp, the number three, steps. Welcome back to Your Health, Your Way. I hope that you are having a fantastic fall season. Here in South Central Alaska, we are having a very interesting fall. We had a rather large snowstorm the other day, which wasn't actually an official snowstorm because it didn't snow at the airport where they officially measure precipitation. So some people got over a foot of snow at their house. I got about five inches at mine. And some people only got a little bit of rain, but none of it counts. If it did count, we would have tied the 40-year record for earliest snowfall. So I'm waiting for it to melt so I can resume my favorite fall activity, which if you follow me on Instagram, you know is berry picking. My other favorite fall activity, which is hiking, is kind of out right now because there's a lot of snow in the mountains and the avalanche danger is kind of high because the sun is still warm and when it warms up the rocks that are sticking out, it can cause a slide. So I'm just going to stay out of the mountains for a little bit until things settle down. All right, on to what we are really here to talk about today, which is vitamin D. Vitamin D is important in so many functions in your body, including the balance of calcium and phosphate, which is important for bone health, immune function, cancer prevention, cardiovascular health, and regulating inflammation. In 2012, one study determined that about 40% of Americans over the age of 20 were deficient in vitamin D. And it's also important to note that there are certain groups of people who are more likely to be deficient than others. Vitamin D is actually a hormone, not a vitamin, and because of this, it's actually possible for your body to make it from the sun. It is not found in very many foods, and the foods that it is found in are not particularly appealing to most people. Fish and liver are the two most dense sources, specifically uh, cod liver oil being the most dense source, which most people are not interested in consuming. 
The vitamin D that you get from food, the sun, or supplements is inactive and must undergo two transformations that are called hydroxylations in order for it to be activated. The first transformation occurs in the liver, where it's converted into 25-hydroxyvitamin D, and the second occurs in the kidney, where it turns into the physiologically active form, which is 125-dihydroxyvitamin D. That's not really important. Just know that it undergoes two transformations, one in the liver and one in the kidneys. Almost every single cell in your body has a receptor for vitamin D. One of the most important jobs of vitamin D is the role that it plays in maintaining healthy bone strength. It enhances absorption of calcium and phosphate from your intestines, stimulates osteoclast differentiation, is responsible for calcium reabsorption from bone, and promotes mineralization of the bone matrix. Osteoclasts are cells that break down bone, and it might sound strange that there are cells responsible for the breakdown of bones, but your bones are constantly being broken down and remineralized. Bone is actually a very dynamic tissue. These important processes can only happen when vitamin D is present, which is why milk, which is a common source of calcium, is actually fortified with vitamin D. Vitamin D also plays an important role in your immune system, the function of your muscles, your cardiovascular health, your mood, and cognitive function. Vitamin D impacts your strength, recovery, physical reaction time, balance, and coordination. Vitamin D receptor expression within your muscle tissue decreases with age. There was a study that looked at elderly women who had suffered strokes, and those who were treated daily with vitamin D saw a significant reduction in the number of falls they experienced and showed improved strength compared to those who were given a placebo. Because of its role in calcium phosphate balance and bone strength, athletes who are deficient in vitamin D are at an increased risk for stress fractures and other potential bone issues. Several studies suggest that adequate vitamin D levels might actually improve athletic performance compared to those who are deficient in vitamin D. Vitamin D also plays a role in musculoskeletal pain. It is important for athletes as well as those who experience chronic pain. One study demonstrated relief of chronic low back pain with vitamin D supplementation. Just a note that I did not read this actual study, and the paper that I read that referenced the study did not have a link to it, so I can't tell you if these people were already deficient in vitamin D prior to being given supplementation, which I think is important because it seems that in most studies, giving vitamin D to those who are not deficient in vitamin D doesn't really have a big impact on most um, health conditions. Vitamin D is important for immune function. It enhances your innate immunity, specifically by increasing the antimicrobial effects of macrophages and monocytes. I have a whole article on my website about um, boosting your immune system where I talk about all the different parts of your immune system, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you are curious about the differences between the cells. Um, I also talk about innate and adaptive immunity, which I'm going to talk about here a little bit. I'm not going to go into the details between those things, but if you want to read that article, I'll make sure to link it. Research also shows that there's a link between low vitamin D levels and increased incidence of a variety of upper respiratory infections. However, it does not appear that it is possible to decrease the incidence of these infections by supplementing with vitamin D, especially in those who are not deficient. It also appears that vitamin D plays a role in your adaptive immune system. It has been shown to modulate T-cell function, promote B-cell anti-inflammatory cytokine production, controls B-cell transformation, which is thought to reduce the production of autoantibodies. Autoantibodies are um, antibodies against your own cells, which often lead to um, autoimmune disease. 
the best way to get vitamin D is through sun exposure. But your ability to make it depends on where you live. Living in Alaska, most of us need to supplement year-round because even in the summer months, we are unable to make enough vitamin D to keep us from dropping dangerously low in the winter. Anyone who lives north of a line drawn between San Francisco, California and Richmond, Virginia is at risk for wintertime vitamin D deficiency if you rely on the sun as your main source. Anyone living north of Seattle is at risk of year-round deficiency due to the half-life of vitamin D being about three weeks. This means that you can make a whole bunch of vitamin D, but in about three weeks, your levels will be around half of what they were. So even if you have plenty during the summer months, it is not enough to get you through the winter. As I said, there are food sources of vitamin D, but most foods don't have enough to maintain adequate levels in your body, and they definitely don't have enough to help you increase your levels if you're deficient. Vitamin D is found in fish, eggs, and dairy products. It is also important to note that if the animal that the eggs or dairy came from did not spend time outside, there will be almost no vitamin D present, as sun exposure is critical to its production in animals as well. Many foods are also supplemented with vitamin D, as I mentioned, especially foods that contain calcium. Relying on dietary sources alone is not enough unless you like cod liver oil. But if you live in a place where, um, as the vitamin D council says, your shadow is longer than you are tall, which is an indicator of a low angle of the sun, you're probably not making enough vitamin D. Vitamin D deficiency is defined as a vitamin D level of less than 30 nanograms per milliliter, with a severe deficiency being defined as less than 12 nanograms per milliliter. It is important to recognize that different labs report vitamin D levels in different units. I'm using nanograms per milliliter because that is the what I have seen to be the most common, but it does get reported using other units. So that's just something to keep in mind if you look at your vitamin D level on your lab results and are like, what the heck, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Make sure to check the units. Signs of vitamin D deficiency can range anywhere from achy bones and fatigue to depression and stomach issues. However, most people may not notice any symptoms, but are unknowingly putting themselves at risk for a number of illnesses which have been linked to vitamin D deficiency. Some of these include osteoporosis, cardiovascular disease, autoimmune disease, type 2 diabetes, chronic inflammation, allergies, cavities, depression, cholesterol dysregulation, and several cancers. True vitamin D deficiency in children causes a disease called rickets and a disease called osteomalacia in, result in adults. These are both relatively uncommon in the U.S. due to the presence of fortified foods as well as current recommendation for supplementation of babies, um, especially those who are breastfed. There is considerable discrepancy in the results of clinical trials done to determine the impact of vitamin D for treatment and prevention of most disorders. I did just get done telling you about a long list of things that you are at risk for if you have vitamin D deficiency, but the evidence on that is tricky because it shows that people who have deficient who are deficient in vitamin D are more likely to be at risk for these conditions but that giving them more vitamin D does not cure the condition. So you're at risk if you're deficient, but giving you more vitamin D doesn't necessarily cure the condition, which is kind of a little bit of mental gymnastics there. So there is um, a lot of discrepancy in the results of clinical trials. So this is likely explained by differences in dosages, forms, routes of administration, and the baseline levels of vitamin D in trial participants. There is also the fact that there is a significant variation between individuals with regard to gene expression in response to vitamin D, meaning some people may benefit more than others based on their genetics. One study demonstrated this by showing that the same dose of vitamin D 
created a significant response in gene expression in 60% of participants, where the other 40% only had a minimal to modest response, even though all of their blood levels of vitamin D were raised to the same range. This means that the effect of vitamin D supplementation on health outcomes on a broad population level is highly variable. And this could explain why some studies show a definite benefit to specific outcomes, while others show little to no benefit. The recommended daily intake for vitamin D is 600 IUs, that's international units. But it has been demonstrated that if this is the only vitamin D you're getting, so you're not getting any from the sun and you're not getting any from food, this is not enough to maintain a level of even 10 nanograms per milliliter, which if you recall is considered a severe deficiency. Vitamin D supplementation is a complex issue. Depending on the color of your skin and where you live, your needs might be different. Darker skinned people have a much lower rate of synthesis of vitamin D from sun exposure. Also, since vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin, if you have more fat mass, you'll likely need a higher dose. In general, 600 to 1,000 IUs is a good place to start for supplementation, and you can adjust as needed based on your lab results. To further add complexity to this situation, not everyone metabolizes supplemental vitamin D the same. So while one person may be able to achieve and maintain optimal vitamin D levels with 1,000 IUs per day, another person may require significantly more than that. The best way to determine if you're getting enough vitamin D is to check your levels via a blood test at least twice a year. I would prefer to see it uh, more frequently than that if you are working to increase your levels and really dial in your dose. But if your levels are stable, twice a year is plenty. And that twice a year, I would say once in the summertime and once in the wintertime. Taking vitamin D dosages that are significantly higher than what your body would produce with regular sun exposure, so over 25,000 IUs per day, can cause hypercalcemia, which is too much calcium in your blood. However, it is unclear from medical literature how many people have actually died from vitamin D toxicity. It appears that most people recover without incident after stopping their incredibly high doses of vitamin D. There is a report in one paper that I read of one patient that was taking over 1 million IUs for several months and had a vitamin D level of 645 nanograms per milliliter and a serum calcium of 13.2. Remember that high levels of vitamin D can increase your calcium levels. Normal range for calcium is 8.6 to 10.3 uh, nanograms per deciliter, and this patient had a, a calcium level of 13.2. However, both of these levels return to normal after they stopped their high dose of vitamin D. When it comes to determining your own vitamin D status, the best way to find out if you are deficient is to get a blood test. Unfortunately, there is not a lot of consensus on what an optimal vitamin D level is. The Institute of Medicine says that 20 nanograms per milliliter is sufficient for most, ex for most individuals, but other experts say that upwards of 30 nanograms per milliliter is better, with ideal levels being between 40 and 60 nanograms per milliliter. The only way to determine what your vitamin D level is is to get your blood checked. Some insurances won't cover this test, and it can be expensive. So there are actually a few other options that you can try if you cannot get it through your um, healthcare provider or if your insurance doesn't cover it and you're looking for a cheaper option. So these options include looking for a cash pay lab in your area. The one near me charges about $75 for a vitamin D test. You can also order your own lab work online through a company called Direct Labs. This is only if you are not in New Jersey, New York, or Rhode Island. Um, and a vitamin D test there is $49. You can also have a kit sent to your house through a company called Everlywell. They also charge $49 for a vitamin D test. I personally have never used them, but I know of several people who have and were happy with what the service that they got. 
Remember that you should always speak to your healthcare provider before you start supplementing with vitamin D, even if you're deficient, as there are some people who should use caution. Also, if you can find it, a vitamin D supplement that includes vitamin K2 is a good idea as well. There's been a lot of talk about vitamin D status and how it relates to infection um, with COVID-19, with the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The data shows that people who are deficient in vitamin D are at a higher risk of getting sick and dying from COVID-19. This data does not mean that poor vitamin D status causes these poor outcomes, and it doesn't tell us that adequate vitamin D levels prevent poor outcomes. Vitamin D levels between 9 nanograms per milliliter and 25 nanograms per milliliter predict the severity of disease or the likelihood of death in about half to two-thirds of cases. This means that if you have a vitamin D level of 20 nanograms per milliliter and you get COVID-19, based on the current data, we can predict how severe your illness is or how likely you are to die and be right 50 to 66.67% of the time. So this data does not tell us the level at which you would be safe if you stayed above it. It represents the zone where we can predict how likely someone is to have a severe case or die if they do develop a severe case. Normal vitamin D levels are considered in most cases to be anything above 30 nanograms per milliliter. As I mentioned earlier, some reported as 20 nanograms per milliliter, but I think 30 is a better place to have that lower limit based on the research. So if you have a normal vitamin D level, then you're out of the danger zone. But again, this doesn't mean that you are quote unquote safe. A study done by the lab company Quest with almost 200,000 participants looked at COVID-19 risk in people who had normal vitamin D levels. It found that for every one nanogram per milliliter of vitamin D, relative risk of infection went down 2% until levels reached 55 nanograms per deciliter. At that point, higher levels were not associated with a further decrease in risk. So the conclusion is that vitamin D levels between 50 and 60 nanograms per milliliter were the optimal range to prevent infection. One very important thing to note is that having vitamin D levels in this range is not a guarantee to prevent against infection or severe disease. You can have optimal vitamin D levels and still get COVID-19, and you can have optimal vitamin D levels and still die from COVID-19. Vitamin D is not the only piece of the puzzle. There was a small study done in Italy that showed that elevated parathyroid hormone, PTH, and elevated PTH plus low vitamin D levels were associated with risk of severe COVID-19 disease and with risk of death. This illustrates the importance of looking at the big picture and understanding that no one thing alone will protect you from getting sick or decrease your risk of death from COVID. There are a lot of pieces of the puzzle to fit together, and we can't ignore that. Having adequate vitamin D levels is important, but not a guarantee. Another thing to keep in mind is that having COVID depletes vitamin D because it declines in response to inflammation due to its role in activation of immune cells. So low vitamin D means less available for an immune response, and then your immune response uses up what's available, making your levels even lower. This is true for most illnesses, but has uh, gotten especially has gotten more attention due to uh, COVID. The Quest study I mentioned earlier told us that low vitamin D status before the pandemic was associated with a greater risk of infection during the pandemic. There were also several studies done in hospitals that suggested that rapidly increasing low vitamin D levels when people required hospitalization for COVID actually improved their outcomes. It's also important to, to recognize that vitamin A, vitamin K, and zinc are also uh, important to consider when thinking about vitamin D status. It is not just vitamin D by itself that matters here, as is true for any vitamin or nutrient. 
My strategy in this area would be to do your best to ensure that you have optimal vitamin D levels and do what you can to maintain those through sun exposure, dietary intake, and supplementation when needed. So I put a call out on Instagram before I did my notes for this episode, and I asked if anybody had any questions about uh, vitamin D levels. So I got a couple of really great questions that I want to talk about. So one person asked if it helps with anxiety and depression. Low vitamin D levels have been reported in a variety of psychiatric disorders, and the correlation is that people with anxiety and depression are more likely to have low vitamin D levels, but the current evidence does not show the vitamin D deficiency is the cause of depression or anxiety, nor that improving vitamin D status will treat depression or anxiety. So it's another one of those things where the big picture matters, and there is a link between low vitamin D levels and anxiety and depression, but it's not necessarily the cause, and fixing it is not necessarily going to fix the problem. So I think that just further illustrates that maintaining optimal vitamin D levels is important to your overall health. Another question I got was, is it necessary to take during the summer if you're getting a decent amount of sun exposure? So again, this kind of depends on where you live. Probably not. You probably don't need to take it during the summer. I recommend an app called D-Minder to find out if you're getting as much vitamin D as you think you are from the sun. The app uses your location, time of day, length of exposure, and how much skin you have exposed to make an estimate of how much vitamin D you made. Um, other things that impact your absorption of vitamin D are air pollution, because the more pollution there is, you get less vitamin D because the pollution actually absorbs the UVB rays. Sunscreen use, the pigment of your skin, and altitude all also affect absorption. So I do think that in most cases, it's not necessary to take vitamin D during the summer. But again, the only way to know that would be to know if you have adequate levels to begin with, and if you're able to maintain those during the summer by getting a lab test. Um, and then see how those change, how that changes during the winter. I got another question about how much vitamin D should you take? I sort of covered this. Um, I said um, earlier, I said it was probably best to start with 600 to 1,000 IUs daily and work from there. Um, it's really, you have to check your, your levels. You have to get a blood test done and you have to check what your vitamin D level is and then how it changes in response to how much vitamin D you're taking. Because everybody metabolizes uh, supplemental vitamin D differently, you have to check on yourself periodically while you're supplementing to find out if that's enough. So while I might only, might only take 1,000 IUs and that's enough to maintain my levels at 50, somebody else might need two or 4,000 to maintain those. And that just depends on a lot of different factors. Um, but the only way to know for sure is to get your levels checked. Another question I got was about the optimal range and if there is a benefit to being higher like over 60 or 60 or over versus being at 40. So this is an interesting question. Um, we don't have any randomized controlled trials to look at any of these health conditions as far as I know and their relationship to vitamin D levels. But observational studies do suggest that levels over 47 were associated with a 50% reduction in breast cancer. There are other studies that show that there's no association between higher levels of vitamin D and decreased cancer incidence or mortality. Um, so some studies have linked vitamin D deficiency to type 2 diabetes. So people who had levels over 30 had about one third the risk of getting type 2 diabetes. And those who had levels over 50 nanograms per milliliter had a fifth of the risk. One study found that moderately low levels of vitamin D, so between 25 and 50, had a 53% higher risk of developing Alzheimer's. 
and those with levels below one, below 25 nanograms per milliliter were 125% more likely to develop Alzheimer's. So I can't find anything specifically that states having a level of 60 or even higher than that is good unless you're specifically trying to treat several conditions that are responsive to very high doses of vitamin D, which absolutely should only be done under the supervision of a healthcare provider. There's a couple of the, some autoimmune diseases, um, psoriasis, asthma, and a few others. So I can't, I can't find a good answer to this question. I would say somewhere between 40 and 55 or 40 to 60 seems to be where most of the data shows that we are least likely to develop negative outcomes and get the most benefit. And then one other question I got was, can you overdose on vitamin D? And this answer, I sort of covered this answer already. Um, the body, your body can handle, comfortably handle doses as high as 10,000 IUs for several months, but most of the recommendations are not to go over 4,000 IUs daily. Um, but again, there's a couple of conditions that, re that respond well to being treated with incredibly high doses of vitamin D. Um, and I would say, again, getting your labs checked is the only way to know if you are taking too much or not enough. So if you're taking 10,000 IUs of vitamin D for months at a time and your levels are still like 30, then there's probably something else going on with the way that you metabolize it. And it's probably worth getting checked you know, getting some other labs checked just to make sure that your calcium's not high and that there's not some other things going on. But you have to follow up your um, your dosage with finding out if it's actually doing anything for you. So if you can maintain your vitamin D status on 1,000 IUs daily, then that's what you want to take. If you need 20,000 IUs daily, then you want to take that, but you don't know unless you check it. So it's, unfortunately, it's one of those things that you can't I wish there was some other indicator of how, um, what our vitamin D status was. Getting plenty of sun exposure during the summertime is, is important. And that means that you can decrease your vitamin D intake, but it, it is possible to, to take too much vitamin D, but the, the, you wouldn't know it because what would happen is your vitamin D levels would get really high and your calcium levels would get really high, which puts you at risk for other things, but you might not necessarily have a negative outcome from that. So I really think that that illustrates the importance of getting your levels checked at least once or twice a year. And as I said, you can find an option for um, a $49 test, which is, you know, just under a hundred bucks a year. Um, I know that everybody is in a different financial situation, but if you are concerned about your vitamin D levels, it might be worth budgeting for that um, hundred bucks a year to get your two vitamin D tests done. So that is it for vitamin D. I will make sure that any articles I referenced are linked in the show notes. And if you have more questions, come find me on Instagram. I'm at the.renegade.np. Last week, I accidentally told you that there were underscores when in fact there are dots. I'm not sure why I forgot that. I don't know. Anyway, I would love to connect with you. Have a great week and I will see you next time. <laughs>